It's great to have you with us this morning, whether you're sitting here or whether you're at your home. We are going through the book of Ephesians. We're at Ephesians chapter 3, and this morning, you can turn this along in your Bibles. We're going to be look at, looking at Ephesians 3 from verse 1 to 13. But before I get there, there's some groundwork I need to do. There's something that I need to cover before we get there, and that is this. I want to ask you today, do you know what God's calling is over your life? Do you know what God's plans and purposes is for your life? I want to say to you, if you're sitting at home, you guys here, God has a plan, God has a purpose, God has a call over your life. You might be looking at me and going, well, Nick, you know, I'd love to engage in my calling, but I just don't know what it is that God is calling me to. And I, I, we get that, but I'm hoping to answer that for you today. The others is, you might be watching, or you might be sitting here and you say to me, Nick, you know what, I do have a sense of God's calling over my life, but I'm a little bit like Jonah. I'm running away from it. I'm ignoring it. I'm hoping God forgets about it. And, but uh, hopefully that most of us that are watching and most of us engaged you know, this morning are saying, man, I'm engaged in God's call over my life and I'm, I'm loving it and God's using my life. But it's important that we start there today because I believe as I was preparing, I felt the Spirit of God just lay this, this burden on, on my heart. Because one of the things that is so evident from the last five or six months that this world, or eight months, whatever the number is, that this world has been gripped by this pandemic, this COVID-19 pandemic, is it's become very clear to me, and I'm hoping for most of this world, that there is no hope in this world. You know, people, we, we put all our hope in our finances and in our securities and our finances, and in a moment, it just changes. And all of a sudden, we're vulnerable. We put our hopes in our careers and these jobs that we have, and in a moment, we become vulnerable and threatened because there is no hope in that. The Bible tells us there's only hope in one thing, and his name is Jesus Christ. And the only thing we can call on in times like this is that the, 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 our hope that in the faithfulness and the goodness and the kindness of the God we serve. And I believe that, that, the, the, that heaven is echoing something to this world at the moment and to God's church at the moment. And this is what Jesus said in Matthew 9:37. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Let me tell you today, and I want to say this because I believe with all my heart, I believe this world is a harvest that is ready and ripe for the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ because this world has come to a place where it can understand that there is no other hope, but there has to be put hope into Jesus Christ because nothing in this world can offer gives you true hope. And what we need is laborers that are going to go out into this harvest field and reap this harvest that God has put before us. And so the important question that needs to be answered today, what is God's call over your life over this time? You may be saying to me, Nick, I don't know what God's specific call is to me. And I, and I get that. It's a, it's a matter of relationship with God. And God will make it clear to you over time. But the Bible tells us that there's two types of calls. There's the specific call of God. Now, when we look at people like David's life, David was specifically called to be king. Paul was specifically called to go and minister to the Gentiles. You know, when you un unpack the Bible, you'll see these people in our time. We see people like Billy Graham. He was specifically called to evangelize into the world. But the Bible also talks about the general call of God. The general call of God is a call for every single person that says, I believe in Jesus Christ. There is a general call of God over your life. And there's three things that this general call pertains to. The first one is this. 
If you're saying to me, Nick, I don't know what God's call is over my life, I'm going to say to you today, the very first thing God is calling you and me to do is to make disciples. Matthew chapter 28, you know it so well. Verse 18, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. The very first thing that you and I are called to do is to go and make disciples. To make a disciple means to make an imitator. You know when your kid is a soccer player and he wants to, and, and Ronaldo or Messi is one of his, his favorites, what does he do? He looks like Ronaldo. When he scores a goal, he does the same thing, Ronaldo. He imitates his, his hero. And that's what it means to make disciples. You and I should be actively engaged in our calling to help people to understand and to know God so they can be imitators of Christ in what they do and what they think. That's our call. Let me tell you this morning, God has not placed you in the family you are in, in the workplace you are in, in the social um, realm that you are in, in the sporting realm that you're in. God, it's not by random chance that you are surrounded by the people you're surrounded by. God has placed you there specifically because he has a call on you to go and make disciples in the spaces and the places he's put you. The second one is this, that God is calling us to reconcile people back to him. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 20 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us, you, me, you, me. Listen to what he gave us. The ministry of reconciliation. Which means one of God's call over your life, over my life, over your life, is that every day when we wake up and we go into our family units and into our workplace and into our schools, every day God is calling on us to go and become reconcilers. We are reconciling people back to God. The third thing in this general call of God is that we would do good works. Ephesians 2, 8 to 10, one of my favorite verses says this, for by grace you've been saved through faith. And that is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God. Not as a result of works that no one may boast. Listen to this. For we are God's workmanship. It means God made you. God fashioned you. You're God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Have you ever wondered why am I here? Well, God has created you in Christ Jesus to do good works. It's your calling, and God, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in. And this means, this is what it practically means. It means God's made you to do good works. That means every day you walk, every day you go into your family, every day you go into your workplace, every day you go into your school. God has given, has beforehand prepared opportunities for you in that space to do good things for those people. Isn't that exciting? Jesus tells us a little bit more in Matthew 5. He says this, For you are the light of the world. A city set on the hill cannot be hidden, nor do do you put a lamp on a lampstand, I mean, under a basket, but you put it on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And so that explains to us, you know what, when I go out every single day into my family, into my workplaces, into the spheres and the realms that God has put, me. I do good works, not so that they go, oh wow, Ashley's a great guy. Oh wow, you know, tell me you're a great guy. No, we do these good works so that when they look and they, they receive the love of God through my life, they go, man, God is so good. God is a good God. 
That's what our good works look, look like. And I, I wanted to start here this morning because I want to look at Ephesians 3, 1 to 13 because Paul is dealing with his calling and he's given, giving us some attitudes around calling. And I don't want you to go, go into that space and you go, well, there's no calling over my life. Let me tell you this morning, there is a calling over your life. God has a plan and a purpose for you. And there's three things God wants you to do. He wants you to make disciples. He wants you to reconcile people. And he wants you to do good works. And that's your calling. Let me give you some encouragement I found in my life and as a pastor over the years you know when you get serious about God's general call he makes his specific call evident to you but so many people are missing their specific call because they're not even engaged in the general call you need to be running and God will speak Get engaged with the general call of God over your life and he will make the specific call very clear to you. He will show you how the niche and the space that he's put you into the body. But get serious about God's call over your life, the general call of God over your life. And so I want us to turn now to Ephesians 3, 1 to 3 because as I said, this portion of scripture, I believe that Paul's dealing with two things. He's dealing with the mystery of Christ. And the mystery of Christ is simply this. That Jews and Gentiles will be unified under Jesus. You see, it was a mystery to the Jewish people because the Jewish people believed that when Christ returned, it was for the Jewish nation. They believed that they were the special people. But the mystery was that, that when Christ died on the cross and when Christ was risen again, it was for all people. It means that all people, not just the Jews, but all people were partakers then of the, of, and heirs of the kingdom. That all people, People were partakers of the promises of God. That all people would live as children of God. And you see, the Jewish people didn't see that. They didn't see that this, this was going to be this work of Christ that wasn't just for Jews, but for all mankind. And all mankind would be unified under Jesus Christ, equal under Christ. And so it was a mystery which God revealed through Paul. But the second thing that he deals with here is that he was called to do this. And there's four attitudes I want to pick up quickly this morning that I think will help us to get serious about God's calling over your life. So let's read this portion of scripture together. It says this in verse one. For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. You see, he's talking about his calling on behalf of you. Assuming that you've heard of the stewardship of God's grace. You see, he's talking about his calling. He's the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. How the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into this mystery of Christ, which was, made, was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. The, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister, speaking about his calling again, according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I was the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for the ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purposes that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have the boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you which is your glory. You see Paul's addressing them. 
He's talking about this mystery, but he's talking about his responsibility and his calling around this mystery. I wanted to start with, with, with explaining to you the general call of God because as I get into these attitudes, I, want you, I don't want you to sit here or to sit around and go, there's no calling over my life. There's a calling over your life. You are called to make disciples, reconcile people, and do good works. And I think there's four attitudes that Paul picks up on here that is gonna help us to do that every day of our lives. The first one is this. In verse one, Paul writes, he says, for this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. Paul in this verse writes, he says he's a prisoner of Christ. He was in prison, <laughs> not just a prisoner of Christ, but he was sitting in prison as he wrote this letter to the Ephesians. Point number one, attitude number one, never let your circumstances disengage you from God's call over your life. You see, Paul was called to preach to the Gentiles and we saw that in his early part of his life. He would go from town to town, area to area and he would preach in the synagogues first and then to the Gentiles. But what, what he did was he planted churches. He was a missionary. And we see that everywhere he went, he planted a church, he planted a church. But there came a point where he was in Caesarea where this trumped up charge came against him and um, they put him into prison unfairly. And for two years he sat in prison there. And because there was nothing really that, that he was charged for and that would hold, they then sent him to Rome for another two years because they didn't know what to do with him, but he was in prison. But just the point, while he was in prison, he didn't disengage from his call. You see, while he was in prison, he kept writing these letters to encourage and to build the church. You see, he didn't go into prison and go, okay, well, my circumstances have changed. I'm now in prison, so I'm no longer called to do the work that God's called me to do. No, he didn't have that attitude. It didn't matter what his circumstances was. He was still engaged and committed and passionate about the call that God had over his life. So what does that mean for us today? It means this. Do not disengage from God's general call over your life because of circumstances. How many times have we seen in church, your friends, if you life groups, all these kind of things, when people come to you and say, I've changed my job, so I'm no longer going to be joining life group anymore. I'm no longer going to be part of that ministry anymore. I'm no longer going to be doing this because I don't have the time anymore. My circumstances have changed, so I'm going to disengage from God's call for my life, and I'm going to focus on my circumstances. How many times have we seen families say, and it's a good thing, I'm not knocking it, we're going to take a break because we're going to have a child. But seven years later, they're still disengaged. Because their circumstances change, they disengage from God's call and never re-engage again. And so I want to encourage you today, if you've disengaged from God's call over your life to make disciples and to go and reconcile people and to do good works because of the change in your circumstances, why don't you learn from Paul's life and re-engage irrespective of your circumstances? irrespective of what's happening in your life. We live in a, life, a world now with so much change and the last thing the church needs, the last thing the kingdom of God needs is for believers and laborers in the harvest to say, my circumstances have changed, I'm disengaging until the circumstances are right again. We need to put that aside and say nothing will disengage me from the call of God over my life. The second attitude that we see from Paul is in verse, is in verse one, he says, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, he gives us the focus, the right focus. He's not focusing that his calling and his ministry is about him. It's about them. 
At the end, he writes, so I ask you not to lose heart. He's telling them, don't, don't lose heart because I'm in prison. Don't think the devil's won. Don't think my ministry has stopped. I'm continuing. It doesn't matter where I am. I'm in prison, but I'm continuing. Don't lose heart because of that. And he writes, for, for what I'm suffering is for you. I'm suffering in prison. I get beat. I get flogged. Why? It's for you. It's for your glory. So here's the principle. Paul set aside all his comforts, all his needs. He was happy to sacrifice. He was happy to suffer because he understood that God had called him not for his benefit, but for the benefit of those that he's called him to. Let me give you an example. If Bev says to me, Nick, would, I'm moving. Would you come and help me pack my house and move me? I'd go, sure, Bev, I'll help you. And I'll strain the whole day. Why? Is it for my benefit? No, it's not for my benefit. It's because I'm looking for Bev. I don't wake up on a Saturday morning and say, I'm going to pack my whole house and move my house from one room to the next room just because I want to today. No, I'll go watch a series rather. But it's for Bev. You see, the ministry that God has called you to, the ministry of reconciling people, the ministry of making disciples, the ministry of doing good works is actually going to cost you something for the benefit of other people. That's why, as believers, we should never be looking at our ministries that God is calling us to do and say, you know what? I just don't have the time. It's gonna cost me something, so I'm not gonna do it today. Then we are missing the point. Then we're not learning from what Paul's teaching us. Paul is teaching us to be Christ-like. Jesus himself. Let me read that to you. Where is it now? I think it's in, yeah, Philippians 2, verse 7. Listen to what it says about Jesus. But he emptied himself by taking up the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even to the death on a cross. Why did he do that? Why did he sacrifice everything? Why did he give up everything? Why did he put all his needs, all his wants aside for you, for me, for you? And so our attitude in ministry, our attitude in our calling should be this. Even if it costs me, I'm going to remain committed, I'm going to remain passionate, and I'm going to remain engaged because that's what God's calling for me. The third thing is that you must be a good steward of God's call over your life. Paul in verse 2 says, assuming that you've heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me. Have you ever thought about this? I've never thought about it, to be honest with you, until I read it. God is asking me and you and you at home to be good stewards of this call that he's put on our lives. God wants you to be a good manager, a good overseer of making disciples, of reconciling people, and of doing good works. If I had to say to Ashley today, Ashley, I'm going on, on holiday I can't go, go outside the country, but I'm going to the Karoo. Where, I don't even know where that is. The Karoo. Ashley, look after my business. Look after my home. Look after all my assets. We understand that what Ashley's going to do is he's going to look after it as if I was there. He was going to care for it. He's going to nurture it. He's going to make sure that it, it, it produces what it should, it should produce. Why? Because he's going to be a good steward. And that, when you start to think about that, the question that we have to ask ourselves is, are we good stewards of this calling of God over our lives? The Bible gives us a parable 
In Matthew 25, a parable of the talents, you know it. The, the guy goes away and he calls three people and he says to you, I'm going to give you different talents. I'm going to give you different responsibilities. I'm going to give you five. Tim there, I'm going to give you guys over here two and I'm going to give you guys over there one. I'm going to go away. When he comes back, he goes to each one group and he goes and he says, how did you do? And your group comes back and says, yeah, you gave us five and we made five more. And he says, well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. How did you guys do? No, we had two, but we made two more. Well done. What did you guys do? No, we had one and we were scared of you, so we put it in the soil. Jesus says, you wicked servant. You wicked servant. You see, that rocks me at the core. When I start to look at my response to God's calling over my life, because who am I? Which servant am I? What kind of manager, what kind of overseer am I of this calling to go and make disciples, reconcile people and do good works? You see, I think that from time to time we get so focused on being good stewards and it is right of our families, of our workplaces, our careers, of our sport, our health and all these kind of things. And sometimes I think we forget that we also have to be good stewards of the call of God over our lives. The last one is fairly simple to understand, is that Paul had an attitude that he was focused was on God's power and not on his own strength. In verse seven, he writes, of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me with the working of his power. So God, by his grace, had called me to do this but it's the working of his power that makes it happen. And then he says, to me though, I'm the very least of the saints. So what's he saying? He's saying, I'm not, there's nothing in me that actually qualifies me to do this. The only reason I'm qualified to do this is because the spirit of God is working through me. And you see, we sit in churches today where, 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 where we deceive to think that we need to do courses and all this. They're good, they're good, they're right, because it grows us. But it's not going to equip us to do the ministry. It's not going to equip us to walk in our call. You know what's going to equip you to walk in your call? When you say, Lord, I'm going to take a step of faith, and Holy Spirit, would you work through me? Because I know it's your power that's going to make it happen, not me. You're going to work through me. And so when the opportunity comes to make a disciple, when we go to Zambia, we do it all the time. You know, we often say to people, listen, when we go there, we're going to ask you to, people to lead people to the Lord and pray for the sick and all those kind of things. And then we'll get to a village and somebody, we get to somebody and they say, I've never heard of Jesus. And I love to do it because I, want, I don't do it to put people on the spot. I do it to show people that if you just submit yourself to the power of God, God will use your life. And I say to, I remember, Chloe, I think it was Chloe Cooney or, or I don't know, whoever it was. I looked at her and I said, Lead this person to Jesus. And she looked at me and said, are you mad? <laughs> I said, no, lead this person to Jesus. And she took her breath and she began to speak. And she led them to Christ. No problem. We do, you know, sometimes we see a manifestation and we'll, I'll say to one of the younger people, listen here, cast this demon out. And they look at me as if to say, well, are you mad? I say, trust God. God's in you. Cast this demon out. They do it. And guess what happens? It happens. They cast this demon out. Why? Because it's the power of God working through them. All they need to do is just allow God to work. They, they equip because Jesus is in them. And so when we look at these four attitudes, the call that God has placed on your life to go and make disciples, reconcile people, and do good, good deeds, 
There's four important attitudes that you need to go out with today. The first one is don't get disengaged from God's calling because of circumstances. The second one is remember that God is calling you to be a blessing to others. It's not for you, so it might cost you. But be faithful. Be a good steward of this call that God has put on your life. And rely on God's power to equip you as you go out. Forget your shortcomings because you'll never do it if you think about yourself. But if you just trust the Spirit of God to work through you, you'll get it done. Because God will equip you. I want to end this morning by saying, why, what is the greatest enemy to us engaging with our calling? What is the greatest enemy? You'll say it's the devil, yep. Sin, definitely. If you've got a habitual sin in your life, it's going to disable you and you're going to feel guilty and condemned and you're not going to feel worthy to get engaged in your calling. So deal with the sin. But I believe that there's something else that the Word of God teaches us. I believe that when you look at the, the, the parable about the seeds, the first seed was thrown on the hard ground, and the Bible tells us it, it represents this, it, that as they preach the Word, it, it doesn't actually penetrate the heart, and, and the devil just takes it. The second seed, it, it falls on soil, begins to grow, but the sun comes up, and basically the Bible's telling us it's people that accept Christ, but when temptation comes and when the pressure comes because of being a Christian comes, they die out and they, they, they fall away. The third one is when they grow, but it grows with weeds, and the weeds actually choke it, and there's no fruit in their lives. And the last one is obviously they grow and there's this abundance. I believe that the third and the fourth seed represents believers because they both grow in God. The only difference between the two is the one doesn't bear fruit, the other one does. The Bible tells us why they don't bear fruit. Let me tell you, why, if you are disengaged from God's call on your life and not being fruit in those areas, I wanna tell you that it's probably got to do with this. Matthew 13 says about this third seed that was choked by the, by the weeds. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word of God but it's the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches that chokes the word and proves them unfruitful. You see, when our life is so focused on this world, on me surviving, on where, the, where I'm gonna make money, I wanna be richer, I want more this, I want more that. When, when we take our eyes off the eternal impact that God wants us to make in this world and we turn our eyes to the temporal impact about my life and me, the result of that is that you're probably not going to engage in your calling and you're not gonna have fruit in your life because your whole life is gonna be absorbed in the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. So I want to encourage you this morning. God's got a purpose, God's got a plan. Man, we live in a special time. It's tough, but it's special. The harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. It's time for you, for me, for all of us to re-engage with God's call over our lives and just go and do it. Because the Bible says one day we will see Jesus as believers and we will give an account of how well we've been managers and stewards. And those that have done well, where they've built with silver and gold, man, the fire will test it, but it'll come out and it'll show it what it is, and they'll get eternal rewards in heaven. But those who didn't, it will be burnt up, it will be like hay and straw, and they will enter the kingdom of God smelling as if they were in the fire. You see, the focus isn't there about punishment. The focus is there 
that God wants to pour out eternal riches on your life, but it depends on how you engage with your call in this world. That's how it all works out. And so let me pray for you. Father, I pray as we close this morning that you would stir us, encourage us, even give us a clap on our heads if we need it, Lord. But just to get engaged again into the call that each is over each one of our lives, Lord. Father, make us disciples of people. Make us reconcilers of people. Make us people that do good for your glory. And Father, that is this amazing time that we live in in this world that we'll see many thousands and thousands of people come to the hope Jesus Christ as we shine him into this world. I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us at home and uh, have a fantastic week. We're going to continue with the book of Ephesians next week. Let me remind you, if you need any prayer, any support, please just pop it onto one of our platforms and somebody in our team will definitely be getting back to you. Have a blessed week and be the person that God is calling you to be in Jesus' name. Amen.